Welcome, everyone. Good morning. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. I'm not so sure about my voice today, so uh, uh, my wife tells me that I need to let the microphone do the work. Uh, she says that every Sunday, y'all. Uh, uh, I, I like to get loud. It's not being loud. It's just uh, I get into it. But today, help me if, um, if I seem to be getting loud. I got a long day of preaching. I want to get all the way through it. So y'all help me. Tell me to slow my roll. You can do this. If I start getting loud, just kind of, I'm not going to respond to this. If you do this, that's not going to be anything to me. But uh, help, me to keep, help me to keep it a little low today. I will, I'll preach softer so you can listen louder. How is that? Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 23. I'm really excited about the message. Exodus chapter 23. This is the last in the message series entitled, Love Thy Neighbor. And today, a really difficult sermon in a lot of ways for a lot of us. And I just want you to know up front, I know how hard this is. Uh, I recognize how hard it is. There's no judgment in this sermon today. I'm not trying to heap condemnation on you. But, but if this is a particular point for you, then listen to the word of God today. Maybe the day is the day you get set free. Let's talk about loving enemies. Loving enemies enemies. There's more I wanted to do in this series. I wanted to talk more about what it means to love sinners, but uh, I'm going to come back to that later in the year. Let's just wrap up this series today uh, with, uh, with this important message about loving enemies. There's a Rwandan woman whose son was killed by an enemy. It's devastating to her. And for a long time, all she did was nurse that bitterness and that, and that grief and that desire to uh, see that whoever it was who killed her son to be punished, to be killed himself. She was filled with hatred. And then one night in a dream, uh, she says, in true story, she says that uh, she, she dreamt that she was walking down the road and the Lord led her in a certain direction. And when she got to a certain place, she recognized that it was her enemy's house. And again, it's in a dream, but she realized this is my enemy's house. And the Lord said, go in the house. And she said, I don't want to go in the house. And the Lord said, go in the house. So in the dream, she walks through the door and goes into the house and starts going somewhat room to room. And then she gets to a set of steps, and the Lord says, go up the stairs. And she says, no, Lord, I don't want to go any further in my enemy's house. And he said, up the stairs. So she went up the stairs, and in the dream when she got to the top of the stairs, she was in heaven. And she said that that night in that dream, she realized that God was revealing to her that the path to heaven for her led straight through her enemy's house. Now, that's something I want you to consider this morning. What if the path of following Jesus for you leads straight to the house of your enemy? What if your following Jesus requires that you somehow not go around this person, not avoid this person, but go straight to that person? What if the path of following Jesus leads you straight to the house of your enemy? Would you still follow Jesus? Because that really might be the question you have to deal with today. What if the path of following Jesus leads you straight, straight to the door of your enemy? Uh, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 23. I know there are a lot of verses I could use to preach this message, but this is the one that the Lord takes me to. Uh, you probably never read these verses. Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. Two little bitty laws stuck in here in the Mosaic law. Two little bitty laws, uh, but they're very interesting. L- l- let's listen to the word of the Lord today. Exodus chapter 23, verse 4. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, take it back to its owner. 
If you see that the donkey of someone you hate or who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. That's it, y'all. <laughs> that weird? If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that is straight away, take it back to its owner. Go back to your enemy. Take it to your enemy. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. Wow, that's something. A couple of weeks ago, we started this series and we were reading the parable of Good Samaritan, remember? And that parable uh, begins with a question. Jesus has just uh, talked about the importance of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Remember that? And then there was the man present who wanted to justify himself. He wanted to somehow find a way to rationalize this commandment to love everybody with his preference of only loving certain people. So remember, when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he posed this question, which he thought was profound. He said, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus continues to teach. Well, this morning in this passage, there's nobody else to raise the question, but probably we need to raise the question, who's your enemy? We talked about who's your neighbor. Who's your enemy? Now, I know that most of the people in the sound of my voice, cafe folks, church folks here, most of you would say you don't have any enemies, you just don't feel like you do. You don't want to have enemies. You don't want to be that person with enemies. So for you, you probably just assume you don't have any. But, but I know y'all really, really well. And uh, I listen to you talk. And uh, one of the things that we'll say, and when I say we, I mean me too. I've probably said this too. We'll say this sort of thing. We'll say, you know, I love everybody, but there's just some people I don't like. You ever said that? I love everybody, but there's just some people I don't like. And you think by saying that, that somehow you have uh, redeemed yourself. You think that you have said something so beautiful and profound. The, the, the problem is, are you really listening to what you're saying? Because isn't our goal to be like Jesus? And can you imagine for a moment Jesus saying something like that? You know, I love everybody, but there's just some people I don't like. Can you imagine Jesus? Can you imagine the day you stand before God, you stand before the throne? And, and, and you're going to tell God, you got, I loved everybody, but there's some people I just didn't like. That's going to go over really well, y'all. I'm just warning you, that's going to go over big with God. Jesus on the cross, can you imagine? Father, forgive them. I love them all, but some of them I just don't like right now. I mean, no, no. You must understand that, that what you call love but not like, it, it is a failure to love. If there are people that you don't like, you understand? That is a failure to love, and, and, and it is not appropriate. It is not in any way harmonious with otherwise your claim to love Jesus and want to be like him. You can't actually love anybody for long without eventually beginning to like them a little. Because love has this amazing transforming power. And if you're a person who is able to go through this life with so many people that you don't like, there's a pretty good chance that the love of Jesus is not operating in your heart. So as far as, you know, I love them but don't like them, let's be honest, that is not going to work. That is not the way a Christ-like person would want to be in the world. We're supposed to love everyone. Of course, the other part of this is just the, the idea that most of us think of ourselves as nice people. And we don't have any trouble getting along with us. And so the idea that somebody out there might not like us, that, that just sort of is a puzzle to us. Who could have difficulty with us? 
I mean, with me, with, with you, we're just really great people, are we not? I mean, we are fantastic. We think of ourselves this way. We try to get along with everybody. We try to be nice. And so the idea that there's somebody out there who might not like you, that's their problem, isn't it? I mean, that's sort of how we think of it. It must be their problem. I mean, we see ourselves with just this, as this overflowing fountain of niceness and, 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 and friendliness. And we just think of ourselves this way. So if other people fail to see how really wonderful we are, that's got to be their problem. And if that's how they're going to be, you're going to give it right back to them, aren't you? Because this is sort of how we operate. For some of us, all it takes for us not to like somebody is the idea that they don't like us. Isn't that how it works? Somebody at work looks at you wrong and you get this idea she doesn't like you. It's just like, man, I'm done with her. She's going to act that way to me. I'm going to give it right back to her. You know? Love her. I just don't like her. Isn't exactly it. I mean, it's for some of us, just the idea that somebody doesn't like us, that flies straight up our nose. The idea, the very idea that she might not like me. How dare she? This is how we go. So the, the, the rule important thing we have to recognize is, is first off, in this world you will have enemies, but you must never become one. There may be somebody out there that, that doesn't like you, but you do not have to therefore not like them. They can absolutely hate you, but that doesn't mean you hate them back. A person can hate you and you are still obligated to love them in return. You understand? You're going to have enemies. There's just going to be people who aren't going to like you. I agree with you. I don't know what their problem is. You're a wonderful person. But everybody isn't going to understand or recognize that. You're going to have enemies in the world. And that's a given. But you must not become one. You cannot be one. You cannot, in your mind, set it up that there's anybody in this world that you're going to wish anything other than good things for. This is the heart of Jesus. You're going to love everyone, and it doesn't matter if they love you back. You're not going to hate You're not going to carry bitterness. You're not going to carry unforgiveness. That's not Christ-like. You'll have enemies. There'll be people out there who will not understand your awesomeness. It doesn't matter. You still must not become an enemy to to anyone, absolutely anyone. So we're asking the question, who is is my enemy? This is the, the beautiful and the difficult part of it, I think. And it's just simply this. The only kind of person who can be your enemy is the one close enough to be your friend. You know, they say there's a fine line between love and hate. Isn't that sort of always true? If, if there's a person out there that you really struggle with, you really, really struggle with, do not understand that one way or the other, that that person is in your life. And, and, and if it's an enemy, if it's a person that you really carry a lot of, of, of uh, hard feelings toward, if you're carrying a grudge, honestly, you're thinking about this person a lot. What's the old saying? That person's living in your head rent-free, what they say? Um, so honestly, an, an enemy is an intimate kind of relationship. You end up being very, very committed to your feelings toward this person. And this is what you need to understand. If if they're close enough for you to hate, they're also close enough for you to love. It's easier than you think, not simple, but easier than you think to cross over. It, 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 It really, really is. The fact is, I don't have any 
enemies that, that I don't know, that aren't close to me. I don't think I have any enemies in West Virginia. Because I don't know anybody in West Virginia. You know, I don't think I got any enemies in Botswana. I don't know anybody in Botswana. All my enemies live here in Warren County. Understand? The people I know, the people that know me, the people that I've been around long enough that at some point uh, they've rubbed me the wrong way or I've rubbed them the wrong way. I mean, I mean, this is the point. You, you can't have enemies with people that aren't somehow close to you. And if they're that close to you, then honestly, they could be a friend. Your enemy is always going to be someone who is close enough to be your friend. Bottom line is you can only hate or be hated by someone that's actually close enough to love. Isn't that devastating and beautiful at the same time? You can only hate or be hated by someone who is actually close enough to love. So, the passage, let's go back to it. I would call this the donkey test. It's the donkey test. It's a simple little test. And and, and make no mistake, it, it, it is a test. Now, this would not be a test if the donkey that you come across belonged to a friend. Because if I see my friend's donkey that's loose, immediately I'm not going to want anything bad to happen to my friend. I'm not going to want a friend to suffer loss, the loss of an animal, anything like that. So if it's my friend, I would automatically stop what I'm doing. I'd call animal control. I mean, I'd grab the donkey and I'd take it to my friend's house. I mean, I'd do anything for a friend. So it's not a test if it's a friend. It's a test because it's an enemy. And that means this is a moment, it's an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself. Now, what I would say is this, God will use every single moment that involves an enemy, every moment of your life that involves an enemy, God uses it to show how closely or not so closely you're following the example of Christ. That's what makes this a test. Every time you cross paths with that person that, that you don't like or who doesn't like you, every single opportunity that you have somehow that involves an, an enemy, that's a test for you. And make no mistake, God will use these moments to reveal your heart. And, and when you see your heart in those moments, understand it's an opportunity to change. It's an opportunity to look into this moment where you see your true face reflected as in a mirror and you should be a little uncomfortable with what is revealed. You see your enemy's donkey. I would call it the donkey test. Now, you've probably got several options. I guess the first option would be, you know, it's my enemy's donkey. I could kick it because that would feel good, right? Not actually kicking him. It's his donkey. You know, you could kick it, you could spit on it, because that would feel awesome. You know, it's his donkey. He's lost, probably going to die. He's going to lose a lot of money, good enough for him. You know, I mean, you could do that. You could do that sort of thing. Um, you could steal it. You could steal the donkey. I mean, because he's your enemy. Hate him anyway. He hates you. He can't, he can't hate you anymore. Might as well steal. You know, you could take that donkey home. If you're a donkey meat kind of lover, you could kill it and eat it. That'd be awesome. You know? And there's so many options for you. But now most of us wouldn't do that sort of thing because we're not that kind of person. We're not people who'd kill and eat a donkey. Even if it is our enemy's donkey. You know, we're not going to spit on it. We're not going to be mean to the donkey. It's not the donkey's fault he belongs to a jerk, right? The donkey's fault. Probably for us, we would find a way to walk on by, you know? 
Walk on by. Now, again, this donkey test doesn't work for y'all because most of you don't live in donkey land. Let's say it's your enemy's iPhone. It's your enemy's iPhone, you know? It's laying there on the table, and it's wide open, and, if, and you, know, you know, there's a party that would really like to update their Facebook page right there because you can. You know, wouldn't that be great? It's a test. It, it, it's a test. Most of us wouldn't do anything mean because we don't have a mean bone in our body. We would just find a way to sort of do nothing, right? Walk on by, ignore it. You know, we don't owe them anything. They don't care about us. If, 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 if the shoe was on the other foot, they do the same thing. Just walk right on by. But, but here's the thing, and this is where you have to understand how this scripture begins to cut us. It's not enough to do no harm when you have the opportunity to do good. Now, you tell yourself, you know, I, there are a lot of things I could have done, but I did. There's things I wanted to say, but I didn't say it. You understand? You want some sort of trophy for your ability not to harm people? You know, not, not to do evil when you have the opportunity? But, but Scripture puts a higher responsibility on us because we have the Spirit of Christ living in us. So, therefore, it's not enough to do no harm. It's not enough just to walk on by and act like you don't see it. It's not enough. Not enough to tell yourself how you could have done something worse, but instead you just chose to go home. No. It's not enough to do no harm when you have the opportunity to do good. you got to start paying attention to what this scripture actually says. What it actually says. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that is straight away, Take it back to its owner. Okay, that's going to be a lot of trouble, right? That's going to be trouble because I promise you I was not planning to visit my enemy's house today. That was not on my itinerary. As a matter of fact, I wasn't planning to go to her house ever. When hell freezes over, you know, isn't that the way we would think about it? I mean, this was not my plan to go to his house it's way out of my way, and I got to be walking this donkey through the middle of town. I'm going to look like a fool. People are going to think it's my, you know, like I'm out just walking a donkey. I'm going to look ridiculous. I'm going to look stupid out there with a donkey. If you see that the donkey is someone who hates you, has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. See, that was my plan. Don't. Instead, stop and help. What's the commandment actually telling us to do? You go out of your way to show kindness to your enemy. Go out of your way. Take the donkey back to its owner. You know what that means, right? That means I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to talk to him. I mean, this is included in the commandment. It's included here. You go back to the owner. You take him back to the owner. Didn't say go tie it to the mailbox. Call animal control. Leave an anonymous text message. No, personally you go. Take it back. Because this is kind of a gift, Right? Now, the passage assumes several things because we know everything that the Bible says about how we relate to enemies and those with whom we're in conflict. And this passage must assume that you've done all those things 
Because honestly, you're not going to be out there living with an enemy. That's not how Christians live either. So if there's somebody out there that, that, that has something against me, then there's several assumptions that this passage must already make. Number one, I will have done everything necessary to make peace. I will have already done everything that I can possibly do because the Bible says as much as it's up to you, you live at peace with everyone. So if I know there's somebody out there that, that, that I have something against or they have something against me, that, that there are going to be several steps I would have already taken. I don't need a donkey at this point to take me to their house. So the passage kind of assumes that that sort of thing, you've already done everything you could possibly do. You've apologized if an apology is, 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 is in order. You've accepted the apology if they've offered the apology. Or one way or the other, you've, you've been on your face before God and, and you've tried your best to have a clear conscience here. I mean, if there's somebody out there that is still in the category of, of, of enemy, that's going to be their choice, not yours. Because remember, you may have an enemy, but you're not going to be one. So honestly, this passage sort of assumes all of that, that this person is still out there and this person still considers themselves an enemy of you, but that's not your heart because we're believers, right? That's not our heart. He may be my enemy, but I'm still his friend. You know that's possible, right? He can call himself my enemy, but I will not be an enemy to anyone. He's still my friend. And so I treat him like a friend. Is that what the passage says? If you find your enemy's donkey, you do the same thing as if it was your friend because you treat everybody with the very same love, the very same gentleness, the very same goodness, the very same love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week's sermon. We show everybody the same fruit of the Spirit. Everybody gets the very same heart from us. If this person calls himself my enemy, I'm still going to declare forever. That's my friend. And I will never stop trying to make peace. Because I think that's what Jesus would do. So this dad blamed donkey is a gift, y'all. It's a gift. It's an excuse. It's an excuse to go back. Dude, I found your donkey. I mean, you know, it's a reason to go knock on the door. Because don't you need a reason to go? I mean, I mean, you've gone. I mean, the scripture assumes that you tried everything and now here's another opportunity. Maybe today his heart's going to be softer or maybe today he'll begin to understand that there's kindness in you. Maybe because of what you've done or the way you've allowed this relationship to fester, maybe this person who considers himself your enemy doesn't even think you're capable of kindness. Maybe when you show this kind of kindness, it'll, it'll change the heart. All I know is this is an opportunity to make peace. This donkey represents the possibility for peacemaking. Okay, I need to slow my roll a little bit. I'm getting loud. It's a gift from God. You get to go. You get to go to his house. You get to go out of your way and show some kindness to your enemy. Rwandan woman had her son murdered by an enemy soldier. She was consumed with bitterness and just nurtured this grievance, this bitterness, this sense that he needs to be punished. He needs to suffer. He needs to die. She had a dream. 
in the dream, she's walking down the street, and the Lord guides her to this house. And in the dream, she recognizes this is the house of my enemy. The Lord says, go in that house. And she says, no, I will not go in this house. And God says, go in the house. She walks through the door. Starts walking through the rooms of the house. She gets to a staircase and the voice of the Lord in the dream says, go up the stairs, go up the stairs. And she says, no, I don't want to go one more inch in this house. I don't want to be in this house. And God says, up the stairs. Obediently, she goes up the steps. When she reaches the top of the staircase, she recognizes that she's in heaven. And so that's the moment when she said, God revealed to her, a true story, God revealed to her that the pathway to heaven led straight through her enemy's house. Two days later, there's a knock on her door. She opens the door and there's this kid, this kid, who's trembling and crying. And he says, ma'am, I killed your son. I killed your son. And I have not had a moment's peace since I killed him. And so I come to you today. I just put my life in your hands. You can do anything you want to do with me. You may kill me if you want to kill me. You may call the authorities and turn me over to the authorities. I will do whatever you want to do. My life is in your hands. But you know she'd had a dream that for her... The, the path of following Jesus led straight through this man. I mean, she's not going to avoid this. So she said, I ask one thing of you. You become my, my son. I want you to be like my son. I will love you. I will care for you. From that day on, he lived in her house, you all. Turns out he was the same size as her son. He wears all of his clothes. Hatred is strong. It's powerful. It's poison in your soul. But love is stronger still. Love is always the strongest thing. So the question today is this. What if the path of following Jesus leads you straight to the house of your enemy? What if following Jesus for you means you're not going to be able to walk around this person? You're not going to be able to continue to act like this this hatred, this bitterness isn't there. You're going to have to deal with this. What if the path of following Jesus leads you straight to this person Will you still follow Jesus?
Let's pray. Jesus, there are people we love but don't like. There are really difficult people in our lives, Lord, and they have rubbed us the wrong way. Lord, some of us have been outright harmed by others, Lord. We have been abused. We have been mistreated sexually, physically. Lord, some of us carry scars, physical scars, from those who have wounded us, Lord. And sometimes we feel very, very entitled to our hatred, to our unforgiveness, Lord, because of what they have done, because of the seriousness of what they've done. But Lord, help us to recognize the poison that this is in our lives. Help us to recognize, Lord, that we can never, ever have a heart like yours as long as we let this grudge continue, as long as we continue to rehearse remembering our pain. Lord, we just set us free today. You set us free from the memory of it, Lord. At least help us to stop practicing to remember. Lord, would you set us free from this Bitterness, this bile, we just set us free, Lord, from continuing every day to finger these scars and pick at these scabs, Lord. We just heal over our woundedness, Lord, so that we can genuinely forgive and love our enemies. Lord Jesus, you are the one who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive. If, if you can forgive us, and you have, then, Lord, certainly we can forgive anyone who has wounded us who has hurt us who has offended us Lord Lord help us today just to surrender our hearts to you our whole hearts help us Lord to give you those parts of our heart that love and those parts of our heart that fail to love Lord and help us to recognize that any failure to love is sin it's an offense before you Lord and it must be dealt with Lord, help us today to follow you, even if the path of following you leads us straight into the path of the person that we don't like or who doesn't like us. Give us love enough today, Lord Jesus, to share with everyone, including every enemy. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has shown us the way to be a friend of all.